Hello, everybody. My name is Danielle Clardy, and I am your host for the Conversation Series podcast, the podcast where we sit down with different people from different walks of life with different backgrounds, different careers and niches, and hear what inspires them and how they got started. And we're doing it all right here. So let's start the conversation. I am so excited today because I have somebody who I know I'm going to get along with just because I asked her favorite color and she said blue. Carolina blue and not (laughs) blue and right then and there I was like yep we're gonna get along great um I am Melinda Jackson here with us today and I'm gonna kick it over to her and let her introduce herself hi um as she said I'm Melinda and I already I have my Carolina blue on so we're good (laughs) (laughs) um so my zodiac signs I am totally into this stuff uh I'm an Aries sun a Gemini rising um and a Capricorn moon uh, which is basically all a big contradiction. And it's funny because my first name is Melinda, which means gentle. My middle name is Gail and it's spelled like the masculine way. So that's like a forceful wind. So like I'm contradictory all over the place. Um, but so anyway, yeah, I live in Raleigh. Uh, I'm from North Carolina originally. I spent seven years in Los Angeles doing entertainment PR. And now I have my own company here in Raleigh doing PR. Awesome. Now, do you like to say, is it, do you like to say company or do you say firm? Either one. It doesn't yeah. matter. Um, uh, I, I pretty much roll, roll solo most of the time. So I just say company. Oh. Uh, I feel like firm, I would, yeah. I would need to uh, have more people, but it's kind of interchangeable. I don't say agency though. Cause no, that's not, <laughs> that's not what we do here. <laughs> and you went to Campbell university. Mm-hmm which I went to ECU for two years. So every time I was going back and forth to ECU, I always like passed right by Campbell. Louise um, Creek. Yep, exactly. Um, but you have always said you came into PR by accident. Mm-hmm. How was that an accident? So that's literally what I always say. It's funny. So I went to Campbell. I grew up about 10 minutes from Campbell. So I grew up in Irwin. I said, I sometimes say done. They're literally the same yep. thing. Yep. Don't listen to my dad. My, my dad heard me say that he'd freak out, but the literal done line runs through our backyard. We had a done phone number and an Irwin address. It's all the same thing. Anyway. <laughs> so I grew up 10 minutes away. I did not want to go to Campbell. I wanted to go to ECU because all my friends were going there yeah. and I wanted to be a teacher because my mom said they always need teachers. And so I'm like, okay. Uh, originally I had wanted to do film studies at UNCW, but my parents said, girls don't do that. You'll never make any money. I'm like, okay. So ECU to be a teacher, it was going to be, well, then I got waitlisted for the teacher program. Um, and that was right when they started like cracking down, uh, trying to like make ECU a better school. (laughs) So all my friends got in except for me. And I'm like, okay. So Campbell was the next option. Uh, my dad went there. My brother was going there at the time. So I went and, um, I was a cheerleader there, which was awesome. And a lot of the cheerleaders were communications majors and they would have really cool internships. And one got to do internships in LA every summer. And I'm like, I would, I want to go to LA. Like that seemed like the closest thing to film studies that I could do. Um, and that was around the same time that the Hills came out. So all those girls were working in PR in LA and I'm like, wait, I think that's what I could do, you know? Um, and not just cause you know, they did it, but I'm like, no, this seems like something I would like to do. Yeah. So I changed my major to communications from 
history and um and just through that um kind of like figured out what PR was I realized like everybody wants to do marketing but traditional marketing was not my thing PR was more forward-facing and you're out and you're talking to people and you're being super creative and having fun and connecting people and and that's what I wanted to do so that's that's kind of how it happened nice now when I first met you it was at Catherine's um, create a uh, collective meeting and you were speaking about your time in California. Can you like talk to me a little bit more about that as well? Like your time out there, you were out there for a good amount of time. Like what mm-hmm. were some of the things that you learned? Like that it, that's not a short, short amount of time to be out there. Yeah. yeah. You've had a lot so, of experience too. Yeah. So I moved out there. Um, there were some like problems with me graduating. I, I lacked like two credits. It was something really stupid. And it was one of those things that was just like no point in me staying at Campbell in person. So I worked it out with my teachers. Um, so I would leave. So all my in-campus, on-campus, in-person classes ended, uh, fall semester. So then December, literally two days after Christmas, I move out to LA. Um, and I was, I still had a couple classes that I did online. I was like two classes and one counted it like my internship counted as a class kind of thing. Right. Um, and I was applying for jobs. This was in 2009, 2010 yep. recession. Every, no one can get a job anywhere. Everybody's just going to grad school or law school. And I'm just trying to find a job. Could not find anything in LA. Um, was just hustling. I did three internships at once, just trying to get the experience that I wanted. Yeah. Um, and just trying to get people to take me seriously because I came from a state in a school that no one knew right. and I'm competing against people that just graduated from UCLA or USC and their dads were executives at Warner Brothers or Capitol Records and so they all had a name behind them and I didn't have any of that stuff so it was just hustle 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 um working multiple jobs at once like looking back I don't know how I really don't know how I did it um I slept on someone's floor I shared a room with them for like four months I slept on the floor I didn't have a bed um and but to me I just knew I had to make it like I just like once I get that in my head I'm like let's figure it out yeah um so I hustled a ton um finally got um like a part-time job at um a firm which it ended up being a full-time job but it was part-time so I had to have like a couple of jobs still um and I just made it work. Like I, I interned at a traditional entertainment PR firm, a fashion PR firm, an events agency, um, just doing everything I could. And then finally, after a year, I got hired on full-time somewhere. Um, and I was the um, just like junior publicist kind of thing. And I worked at that firm for six years and worked my way up and it was a small firm, but um it was a really cool opportunity because my boss still let me help out other friends that also work for small firms. And so, you know, I was doing red carpets all the time and they weren't necessarily always my clients, but I was helping out friends and I was still getting that experience in those contacts. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, LA was hard. Um, After a year of having roommates out and I finally got a full-time job, I moved in by myself and I lived in that same apartment, tiny studio apartment. Yeah. on a sketchy street in Hollywood in the Hollywood um and 
I made it, I made it work. Like that's literally all I could say is I made it work and I hustled and I did everything I could um, to really try to get as much experience as possible, connect with as many people as possible. But at the same time, I still kind of feel like um, a lot of that small town mindset that I had and uh, you know, my parents' generation saying like, don't ask for a raise, stay at that company. No one ever likes their job. You know, I took that to heart and I was like, oh, it's okay. Whereas, you know, I had the contacts, I could have gone on, like right now I could be running uh, a PR department at a label. Right. I should, I could have, had I actually believed in myself and thought, oh, this is possible and it's okay to ask for what you're worth. So that's some of the stuff that I learned, but I mean, it was an amazing experience. People always ask, like, who's the most famous person you met? I've literally met everyone at this point. Like, it doesn't matter. I was at every single award show at red carpets. If it wasn't my client, it was somebody else's, or I was helping someone out, or I was helping out backstage, or I was helping out at a pre-party or after party or whatever. Um, But it was such an amazing experience. And now it feels like it didn't even happen. But I, I was there from the time I was 22 until I was 29. So like basically all of my twenties, I was in Los Angeles and it was the best and worst time ever. (laughs) Now through that, you, you ended up moving back here Mm -hmm. and you open up your own PR company. Yeah. Why open up your own PR company? So it's, it's funny, like how that happened. Um, and like people that know me know, like I'm all about manifesting and stuff like that. And I don't think I ever knew what that was before. I just thought like, oh, I just make stuff happen. But um, when I first moved to LA, you know, they don't ask us anymore in interviews, but they would always ask like, what's your 10 year plan? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? I would always say, well, I want to have my own company. I just want to have my own company because my parents are entrepreneurs and they own a bunch of different companies. And my dad, my dad worked in finance, but he also had a bunch of companies on the side. And then my mom, had 20 tax offices. And so I saw that. And to me, I just thought, well, well, they've done it and I've seen it. Like, why can't I just be my own boss? And so that's just kind of what I always had in my mind. And when I moved back, um, I worked at an agency here for two years and then just kind of got to the point where I was like, I'm hitting the 10 year mark. Yeah. I, I could do this on my own. Why, why am I looking for other jobs or other opportunities? I can just do this on my own and it's easy. Right. There's not really any overhead. And then after I, I quit my job and started working for myself, I was like, wait, this is the exact thing I told everyone that I wanted to do. Like, how did I manifest in this, you know? Um, so yeah, it just, for me, I think there's so much benefit um, in PR and I mean, other things too, but in PR working, just working for yourself, it, there's no overhead. As long as I have internet and my computer, Absolutely. you know, I can, I can do the work and working for myself, I can work directly with my clients as opposed to at an agency or firm, you know, you have to go through other people and there's red tape and all this stuff where I can truly get to know my clients and just do what I know is best for them. What I love about the PR world is that you can be, you're in the lifestyle music and entertainment, but there's also Mm -hmm. like politics, there's Mm -hmm. news, there's so many different facets of it. Why lifestyle music and entertainment for you? Um, I think it's just because I'm, it's what I'm passionate about and it's something I know so well. Like when I was in college, I was at 
concerts all the time. I was a scene kid. I was, you know, warp tour, all that stuff. Like I was into that. I was a MySpace girl, you know, I knew all that stuff. I, and I would always try to help my friends get noticed. And I think that's another reason why I love PR because I like truly it's in my blood. It's just how I am. And if I didn't work in PR, I'd still do it, you know, um, on some level, but like, I love helping artists grow. I love with lifestyle and entertainment. There's so many other things that you can be creative right. with and you, you, it's, and it's not just, Oh, let's just get you an interview. It's like, Oh, well, we can get playlist ads or like, let's figure out yeah. a partnership. And yeah. there's so many other things that you can do. Um, I truly, truly love that. And while all of my clients right now are not just lifestyle and music and, um, and entertainment, I still kind of treat my more corporate clients like that as well. And it's like, okay, well, let's figure out other opportunities that aren't boring and like a business journal, you know, let's, let's find some really cool podcasts that you can be on. Now you have like a huge list of services that your company provides public relations, influencer marketing, you do all kinds of writing media training. Is there a favorite that you love to do for clients? I mean, like, honestly, I just love just straight up PR because yeah. the way I do it is not what other people do. I don't live and die by a press release. Right. Um, and I think so many publicists do that. It's like, listen to press release and hope it works. That doesn't work. I right. try to discourage my clients from press releases all the time. I'm like, no, let's, let's be creative. Let's figure out something cool. Um, so that's, that's really what I love. Like my bread and butter. It's like, let's, let's just figure out something different. Like let's be creative and not be boring. And I think a lot of publicists, like I've gone to conferences and I've spoke and, and, and been a part of all the local PR groups. And I think a lot of them think I'm like a crazy cowboy or something like, who is this girl? Like whatever. But I'm like, stop writing a press release that no one cares about. And also why is it three pages? (laughs) It is so true because even, uh, I touch it a little bit in my full-time job. And even like when we have things go out, we we have a blog post that goes out and a press release sometimes too. And I'm like, as a social media, I'm like, I'm going to point to the blog post because that's what people are paying attention to. Because Mm -hmm. I think in a lot of people's minds, press releases are kind of old fashioned in a way. And that people are like, I I don't care. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. care about that. I'm going to go look at their Twitter or I'm going to look at what, whatever else kind of social media wise that points them to like, a smaller form of an an announcement. And like with my pitching, um, and, and I've literally said this when I've spoken at conferences and all the publicists look at me, like I don't have a head, but I'm like, I literally send one to two paragraphs and I just give them that basic information they need. I'm like, let me know if you need anything else. All right. And they will respond to that so much quicker than if you send them this long press release that's yeah. like boring that no one cares about. I, I completely agree. And I, it's so funny because when I came into my job, everybody kind of looked at me and was like, what, why, why? And I'm like, enough. We're not doing, yeah. doing it anymore. I'm not pointing social media to this. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it, it really is that old fashioned thinking to it all. Mm-hmm. When I'm super interested in, when you write pitches and things like that, because this is something that I've really, been trying to work on myself as well when you write pitches what is kind of like the thing for people to know when writing a pitch really just give them the basic information that they need 
truly. And like, make sure you're pitching the right person, something that they would actually write about or something they would actually be interested in just because they write about fitness and you have like, I don't, I don't even know what I'm talking about right now, but like, just because you have some like yoga teacher client and just because they write about fitness doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to write about that or that they care because there's a dime a dozen, like yoga teachers are a dime a dozen figure out like a super unique angle and then pitch them if, if it's the realistic writer right and give them just the basic information hey i represent so and so here's a couple of things i think you'd be interested in okay let me know if you're doing any stories on this anytime soon or if you have any thoughts of how we could collaborate for coverage something like that one of the last uh pr conferences i spoke at my the topic I spoke on was media relations, like, okay, like how you as a publicist relate to the media. And I went to all these journalists that I know, and I'm like, okay, tell me how you like to be pitched. Tell me what gets on your nerves. And that's in my presentation. And everybody is like, just tell me what I need to know. Just, just give me a little bit and I'll tell you yes or no. And that's it. Love that. I love that. And I I think going to people and kind of the exact source and getting mm-hmm. that information is super like that's awesome to hear because then that's it's real it is yeah. real what you are hearing and what you're telling people which is something i think we don't have a whole lot of in in the terms of marketing world sometimes no and and i think like you know kind of what i was taught is okay you write a press release you send it to as many people as possible yeah. you follow up 15 fucking times let's just let's hope it works no Yes. No, I literally, this is what I do. And I don't even care. I don't even care what I'm telling people. Cause like, whatever, like I, I send the bare bones of what I need to tell this person. Sometimes I'll BCC blast. Sometimes I individually send yeah. it just depends on what I'm doing. And either one works. I wait two to three days before I follow up. I don't follow up the next day. I right. follow up one time. And then I don't follow up anymore because if they don't, if they haven't said anything to me, right. And some, and sometimes after that follow-up, they'll immediately respond. And sometimes it'll take them two weeks. And then sometimes they'll just never respond. Okay. Well, if they never respond, I'm going to take it as they don't, they don't want this. Right. Unless it's somebody that I truly, truly think would need it. And I just, I really want to talk to them. Then I'll wait a little, a couple more days, or I'll just send them a clean email and be like, Hey, I know I already reached out to you. I'm sorry if I'm annoying. And literally my follow-up says, I am sorry if this is annoying <laughs> and people appreciate that so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. We are living in an extremely weird world of COVID. You had started your company beforehand. Mm-hmm. You went into COVID. You still grew your business mm-hmm. exponentially. Yeah. How did you do it and what you learned? Um, so yeah, like you said, I had my company for about a year and a half before COVID hit. And then for some reason, all of like, so my entire, it's crazy, like March 1st, my entire 15th, I think was the day uh, that like kind of everything shut down. That day was my entire client roster turned over. So I currently have no clients that I had March 15th of last year. And like April 15th of last year, I did not have any of the same clients that I had a month before. And basically what happened was, you know, I had one client that I signed literally on March 15th and she was a thought leader. And that was somebody that I knew that 
that we could offer really great interviews for the time being that were topical. Right. Then I had a couple of other people come to me and they're like, listen, we're pivoting our business right now. We just really need you to help us get this out. And so I disc I gave discounted fees. Um, there were a couple, couple of my clients or one or two of my clients that were in the hospitality industry. And I was like, listen, I know you can't pay anything right now. I'm just going to invoice you. You pay it when you can. And I'm going to keep doing this for you for the time being nice. for the next month or two. And so, you know, I worked out those agreements. Um, and then, like I said, people just started coming to me. They're like, I'm pivoting my business. I just need some exposure. Can you get me in front of people? Right. Um, and so that's kind of what I started doing. And I think all the work that I put in beforehand of like getting myself out there, doing speaking engagements, doing interviews for myself, things like that, and throwing my own events, people knew me and thought about me when they needed me during that time. So that was really good. Um, and then um, a lot of musicians just started coming to me and they were like, and they knew that was right when I was starting to get back into music. And they, they were like, listen, we've been working on music. We're releasing it during COVID. We we're not touring. Can you help? And I'm like, yep, let's, let's work out fees. So pretty much with everybody, I worked out fees. Um, and I was very open and honest. I'm like, listen, if it's a discounted fee, it's not going to be as many hours, but let's do the best we can. So I was good about that. And then, um, I signed up on Fiverr and I got approved for Fiverr pro. So if somebody doesn't know what that is, it's basically like a gig website. You need a graphic design done. You can go on there and you, yeah. people bid on it or whatever else but I was one of the only publicists on Fiverr Pro. I think there were three and I just put up there like just straight up like writing a press release and sending it out. And I did not promise coverage. I just said, I'm going to distribute it. I'll send you the media list that I use so you can use it after. Then we're good. And right. I got so many gigs from that, um, you know, $400, $500 here and there, just writing something that maybe took me an hour to write. Yeah. And it really helped out a lot of people. And then it helped me get money as well um and then I also went back to people who maybe had been on the fence about PR or maybe some of my clients that um that had gone on hiatus for a little while if right. I knew that what they were doing was topical that I could kind of bend it to COVID and get them some press from it um I'd go back to them and say hey you know, if you don't have the budget right now, let's do half, I call it half time. Let's do half the retainer, half the time. Let's just try. Yeah. And I literally doubled, almost tripled my business. I made the most money last year that I've ever made in my entire life. I was able to pay off all of my debt, um, you know, pay my taxes, all that stuff, yeah. do all the adult things. I bought a Louis Vuitton bag that I've wanted since right. I was 20 yes. and um, it was awesome. Did it last forever? No, it didn't. Because in November, everything just kind of fell off because people ran out of money. But right. now I'm rebuilding and it's fine. And that's just how right. business is. But I am very, very lucky yeah. um, that, and I, I kind of see it as like, I was able to grow my business because I was helping other people grow their business during the pandemic. Right. Which is massive because it, like people were, went from completely, going to in-person events and doing all these things in person to having to do everything remote and having to mm -hmm. do everything virtually. So two very different worlds. So it, it makes a ton of sense that there was a ton of pivoting that had, yeah. you were just hitting on it a little bit, but networking, I have heard networking is like the most important thing in the world in terms of business ever since mm -hmm. I was in high school. 
you are kind of like as a, like a master networker. Yeah. Why is networking so important? It's really just a human connection, like 100% across the board. And, and everybody knows me. I say I collect people, but like everybody knows that I know everybody. Like my friend was, my friend was visiting me from Omaha and we're at Longleaf downtown and we're sitting out there and it's like February. So we're, we're still in COVID and everything. And we're sitting there and I knew every single person on that patio. And he's like, how, what, who are you? Like, what is this? I'm like, I collect people. I, I just know everybody. I know literally everybody. And so I just like had to hop around, but I, I just love connecting with people. And I think people appreciate that. And obviously with what I do is public relations, like right. public is the key word there. And so it's so important because and I, I tell my clients this all the time, because I'll have a lot of clients who are like, I don't really want my face out there. I don't really know. I want the company to be the uh, subject, not necessarily me. Well, people need to know the person behind the company. People want that one-on-one -on -one connection. They want to they want it to feel like they're connected with you because then they'll connect with your business or they'll support you. And so that's just so important. It's just the human interaction, especially right now. Um, and I always say this, I always brag on it. I have only pitched myself to one potential client ever and I got them everybody else has been word of mouth everyone else has come to me wow. and I take so much pride in that yeah. um because people just know and and people know that I'm going to take care of them and that's that's literally why networking is just so important I, I love networking especially like doing things like this like I love having conversations because then you learn from people you have mm -hmm. like you, you take in things from other people that you were like, I didn't know, or I didn't like, I now have this experience or I have this knowledge now. So I think that has been the biggest, networking has always been the biggest thing. And it's the thing that I pass down to people that are interns and now under me now, or are like even family members who are now getting ready to go into college. I'm like, network as much as you mm -hmm. possibly can because you will for sure need it um i said i i've always said try to network with somebody in at least one type of industry yeah whether it's sports entertainment or something because you might end up wanting to be in sports or you might end up wanting to be in something else that you can be like okay yeah i know somebody here who can help me absolutely and and, and that's why like I, I truly think that networking is the only way that I survived as long as I did in LA. The statistic is people, it, it, people do not last more than a year and a half in LA. Right. And if you, if you last longer than that, you'll last forever. And I think that's a real invalid reason why, because like, if I needed something, I always had somebody to call or if a client right. needed something, I knew who to call or for a friend or whatever. Um, and it's just, it's kind of just what I do naturally. It's like, okay, you need help. Let's figure out who I know right. or who do we need to know? Right. That's also the thing. Let's, let's get in front of them. How, how can we do it? You had said last year, you were in an article thrive Glo global article. And you mm -hmm. said, don't try to go out too soon on your own. Mm -hmm. yeah. Why not? You know, there, there were times in LA when, before I got a job, I was like, oh, I can just do this on my own. It's easy. I didn't know anybody. I didn't yeah. know what the fuck I was doing. Like, no, just don't do it. Like get your ducks in a row first. Right. Um, at least have like a semi game plan. Don't yeah. just think, Oh, I can do it. And it's fine. Um, you know, when I, when I left my, my last job, I already had two freelance clients lined up. One of which 
the retainer right. paid my rent every month. So I'm like, okay, that's that I'm at least good for that. Yeah. And then the other one, it wasn't a lot of money, but I knew that, you know, I could, I could survive for a little bit on it. Um, and you, you just got to get your, your ducks in a row, because I think if you just go out there and you're like, it'll happen, it'll come to me. It's not going to do that. Um, no, but I mean, it may, it may for a second, but yeah. at least try to have like a semi game plan in place or else you're, you're going to spiral. You're going to have anxiety. You're just going to hate yourself. Have what is it? Have a little bit of manifesting been in the works for a little bit of time. Oh yeah. 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 Just, just fit. I don't know. <laughs> just that's <laughs> the best thing I can tell people. Yeah. And I, I, I say it all the time. And especially cause I have a lot of friends right now that are in transition periods because of COVID. And I'm just like, what do you want? At the end of the day, what do you want? How yeah. do you want to feel? And again, that kind of goes back to the manifestation stuff, but it's like, how do you want to feel in this? What, what is just at its core? What do you want? Yeah. What, what do you want to do every single day when yeah. you're working yeah. and then work from there and, and figure out, okay, well, what would that look like? And, um, and that always helps, but yeah, like go, I think, I think people, people are usually either terrified to jump off the cliff or they have way too much confidence yeah. and they're just like, it's fine. We can do this. You got to find a happy medium somewhere in your rebuilding of your business right now, coming a little bit out of COVID. What are you most excited about? I mean, I just, I just love helping people grow their business yeah. and just seeing how one media hit can completely change things for the better for them. But also just like, I'm excited to get back into music and, and see like, you know, grow my client roster on that side and see people on tour and like go on tour with them yes. and just kind of get back to normal and just see people in person again and start doing events again and start doing more speaking things and, and just getting in front of people because I live alone. I don't have any kids. I don't have any pets. Yeah. I work alone for the most part. I am too extroverted for this. So I'm ready to get back in front of people. I, it was a couple months ago, they announced all the concerts happening and I jumped on and bought as many tickets as I possibly could. Oh yeah. But I grew up at li like live music is like in my soul. So I yeah. bought as many tickets as I, I was like 18 months of no live music. I said, I'm, uh -huh. I'm about to enjoy as much live music as I possibly can. Oh yeah. 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 I'm, I'm sitting on a, about four Harry Styles shows that I'm like, okay, come on, Harold, let's, let's open back up. <laughs> let's do this. I have so many friends who are waiting for him to be like, what are we doing? Is it I, know. Uh, I know. I, I think, I think we're okay. Uh, yeah. just from the, some people I know and, and things in the industry, I think, think we're okay on, on a lot of it, but like hopscotch is coming back to Raleigh. I'm so excited about that. And just, um, you know, even like the international bluegrass festival that's here, like, yes. like I'm not a massive bluegrass fan, but I grew up with it and it's just fun to walk around and like hear it and just things like that. I'm just so excited about. And, um, and yeah, but a lot of the, I, I'm kind of weird about, uh, concert tickets because I'm like, I know so many people I can just get it for free. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And like my best friend's dad is touring with Chris Stapleton this summer. And so, um, I'll be seeing them in, uh, Charlotte and Raleigh. And I'm just, I'm so excited about that too. Yeah. yeah. I was always the, the kid in high school who had the mega ticket. 
So you mm-hmm. had all the country concerts yep. summers. Yep. So even if it was a lawn ticket, I was uh-huh. thrilled because I was getting to see all of these country artists. Well, the lawn ticket is where everybody, you wanted to be in high school because you're out yeah. there with all your friends and, yeah. and everything. And everybody's passing around like one beer yep. with like the 15 people. <laughs> yep. yep. You had the one person who actually looked like they were 21 yep. and in cocktails. And then you were that, like all standing yep. really clustered together. Yeah, uh, that was yeah. that was my brother. He had a mustache in like eighth grade, so I think he did that for most people. <laughs> Love that. In terms of right now, we have so many different new outlets like podcasts. Everybody has a mm-hmm. podcast now. Yeah. And like, is there an outlet that you are kind of vibing with the most right now to get clients oh, onto? Well, you mentioned Thrive Global. I love what they do. Um, it's Ariana Huffington's website. I think they do like a really great job of showcasing people. Yeah. Um, and she's just awesome anyway. So I love that. And yeah, I mean, that's hard because there's so many and I have so many different clients yeah. for things. Um, and I have I have friends uh, that are journalists that just cover anybody I send them. And so that's <laughs> awesome. Like, um, I think... And, and she's one of my really good friends and it's a great outlet, but my friend Madeline um, works for uh, American songwriter and she, she covers all my clients, but she does such a good job. Like she, she, I'm always like, you are like a true music writer and you could tell she's a true fan and she's such a good storyteller. So I'll, I'll send this to her when, when you post it, but uh, yeah, anybody go look up Madeline's stories on American songwriter. She just had like, three or four and the latest issue and she's right. just she's such a good writer I th- I love and anytime anybody says it to me I like I I love the art of storytelling so anybody who mm-hmm. does it really well I I always pass it on to other people who might find it interesting just because I think there's such a power in storytelling absolutely well it's it's the connection it's the connection yeah. and, that, and that's kind of what I keep saying it's like across the board, people just want to feel connected to something. And like, you know, that's why networking is so important. That's why storytelling is so important. You just want to feel a part of something. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, one of the last questions I have for you, you've been really open through a, your time in California and ha- coming back here about mental health. Mm-hmm. Why is mental health so important to you? I think I'm one of those people that's kind of always struggled with anxiety and I don't necessarily know that I always knew what it was. And in my family, you know, typical Southern Christian family, it's always a taboo topic. And um, my grandma had some mental health issues. And I think that that kind of created some stigma and just like kind of hurt in my family. Um, and, And so people never wanted to talk about it. And I think maybe my family didn't want to, always say oh I think Melinda has anxiety and I think Melinda has depression and so um when I I kind of always felt it and then when I was 19 I was a freshman in college um college is hard anyway and it's the first time like I had I was living in an off-campus apartment first time I've ever been away from my family like that um and I had just like some weird bullying stuff going on and just like weird normal life stuff and I just kind of broke down and I had this crazy rash that I could not get rid of. And um, we did all these tests. And then finally the doctor was like, I think it's like anxiety. Like, I think it's just something like that. And I was like, okay, that's what this is. 
Um, and so I went on medicine for a little bit, but you know, again, the stigma around that, like I was kind of embarrassed about it. My mom told me not to tell anybody. She was like, let's just do the, the one prescription and let's not do it anymore kind of thing. She's like, I, I don't like how you are on this. Let's just not do it. And so I went off of it. And then from there, it was like, okay, well, if this is a thing I have, I need to figure out what right. triggers it, what makes it better, all of that stuff. And it took me a long time. And, and when I was in LA, everything kind of got heightened. I mean, first off, you're overstimulated all the time. You're working in really high stress environments. Um, you're alone, completely alone on the other side of the world. You're poor as shit. Like it's just <laughs> all these things are right. stacked against you. And I, I would just have breakdowns all the time. And just, I was trying so hard to be okay. But like, and like, I always tell people this, like I would just lay in my closet on the floor with no lights on and just sob and sob and sob and be like, can I just die? Cause I'm sick of this. And like, I was never suicidal but I did have those thoughts of like okay well I just don't want to be alive because I don't see the point anymore because this is this sucks you know um and I just didn't feel for a long time feel like there was a light at the end of the tunnel but I kind of started realizing like okay what's triggering it oh I drank too much caffeine today or okay drinking alcohol kind of makes me feel like shit I shouldn't do that um and oh, working out in the morning is going to make me feel good. I'm going to have endorphins and I can ride that high the rest of the day and I'm not going to spiral as much at work. Or maybe I should actually eat. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of things that sound like normal, but like when you're just hustling and just trying to do the best you can, you forget. Um, And so I started implementing like stress walks into my day. And so, which my therapist at like a while, one of my therapists a long time ago said like, don't call them stress walks, call them something a little more positive. Yeah. So I would just go like every hour on the hour, I would get up and I'd walk around the block and then I'd come back and sit at my desk and I'd, and work. Um, and then, yeah, I got a therapist that, that I absolutely loved. And, um, and then when I moved back I, I've, here, I found another therapist and, you know, I realized maybe it, it wasn't working. So I found another one. Um, so I think that's always really important to, sorry, I'm just like going off on this. Right no, now. You're good. <laughs> but, um, I think it's, it's really important. They always say like date your therapist, like you yeah. got to figure out what, who works for you yeah. because everybody does it and that's okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, I then, and, and also I realized like right before I left LA, like I was burned out. I changed jobs. I was at my dream firm doing my dream role like everything was supposed to be great but it was a really really toxic environment for multiple reasons and I just kind of hit a wall and I wasn't sleeping I was like working in the office like 14 hour days to the point where security would have to come and kick me out tell me to go home and like one day um it was a like a Monday holiday I was in the car wash with my work laptop in my lap working while my car was w- getting washed in like a seven minute car wash. I'm like, this is stupid. I w- couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. When I did eat, I was throwing up. I was sick. Yeah. Um, just body was falling apart. And I was like, this is burnout. This is burnout. And the same thing happened to me at my, my last job. And that's kind of when I realized like, okay, I got to get a therapist. I got to get back on that. Yeah. And for right now, I need medication and it doesn't have to be forever, but it can just be for right right now. And so I got on medication and 
worked with my doctor and I'm like, let's make a plan. So I'm not on this forever. Figured out supplements that really work for me and kind of got back eating clean because for me, that just helps a lot. And, you know, lowering caffeine intake and maybe not drinking wine anymore. Um, and just figuring it all out, but I always want to be open and honest about where I'm at because so many people aren't. And I know when I'm open and honest about it, it helps a lot of other people. So I'm, I'm very lucky that I haven't felt really terrible in a really long time, but I can also pick up on when things are starting to go south and I'm like, okay, let's figure it out. I have, I, I fall into the anxiety and depression as well. And I have, I, I kind of had to figure out, like, I'd be in the middle of the night, like elephant sitting on my chest. Mm -hmm. Why is the elephant sitting on my chest? Why do I have these feelings? And so I've, I've kind of done the same thing where I'm like, okay, I need to break this down and figure out Mm -hmm. a, why it's happening and B and like, what are some of the things that can help me? Because I too, I grew up in a Southern family that sometimes saying you have anxiety and depression is like, it is it, saying yep. you're getting a divorce and almost yeah. in a way. And they're like, take it to God. Well, okay, yeah. that's fine, but that's not going to help the chemical, the literal chemical yeah. imbalance in my brain right now. Yes. <laughs> so I, and, and so I've always been very open with, I need you to leave me alone today because I don't mm-hmm. feel right. And I need to figure it out and just like feel better Mm -hmm. so I've all like uh, it's funny because as soon as I kind of came out and said it my family was like oh well I have anxiety and depression too or I have and I'm like why are we keeping this quiet like Mm -hmm. we can have these conversations and help each other when we need help Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's I think it's always comforting to hear from other people as well outside of yeah hey I, I I get you my last question for you, what inspires you? Oh God, what inspires me? Uh, God, I mean, oh God, I don't want to be that person. I really don't want to be that person, but like art, like, like art, like I, like during COVID last year, I took, um, there's a really great um, free course online from UPenn and it's, um, a modern poetry course. Like I, I did a like 10 weeks of modern poetry course and like just deep diving into it. Like, like when I say art, I mean the overarching art, like music, poetry, reading, going to art museums, photography, like all of that stuff just like gets me so excited and it translates into, you know, the rest of my life. Obviously there's a reason why I want to do lifestyle and music and all that stuff, PR, um, because I, I want to get it out there and I want other people to see it and get excited by it but like that I just I love that and and um just uh, I I call them granny walks like I go on granny walks and (laughs) all my friends laugh at me but like I'll go to like the art museum or like Glenn or whatever to visit the turtles and um and I just go on my granny walks and I just like decompress I'm like okay and that's my time to think it's like a meditation it's like okay what can I be doing for my clients? I'm like, oh yeah, you know, getting excited. But uh, yeah, art and nature. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Melinda, thank you so much for coming and talking. Oh, thank you. you so much. You guys, all of Melinda's socials are going to be linked down below so you can go check it out along with her website and her blog. Thank you guys for stopping by. I will see you guys back here next time.
Bye, y'all. Thank you, thank you, thank you for stopping by and listening to this episode of the Conversation Series podcast. We love having conversations here. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, please rate and review. It makes a huge difference. If you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me at DLClarity on Instagram and catch more behind the scenes of how we do these episodes of the Conversation Series. As always, I will see you guys back here next time. Bye, y'all.